Today, This American Dice presents the final entries of the late magistrate of Ryoko Owari, Kakita Naritoki. Month of the Dragon, Eighth Day. Hayobi called me in for a meeting with the cartels today. This was the first time I've seen the three chiefs of the trade together, discussing their business. It was informative and entertaining, if a bit tiresome. Seryoku spoke first, complaining about the weakness of her territory. Korichika replied that she had three major clans to supply, while he and Hayobu had to make do with two apiece. Seryoku responded with a litany of complaints I've heard before. The dragon don't buy, the unicorn magistrates are too honest to buy, and too dangerous to kill. The phoenix are so far away that it eats up all her profits just getting to them. Hayobu just shrugged and said Serioku should find a way to make people want opium more. She suggested trying to get more unicorn magistrates addicted, perhaps by sneaking it into their food secretly. If such magistrate declared openly that he was addicted to opium, but claimed to have been drugged in secret, well, who would believe such a story? Serioku didn't look pleased that Hayobu was telling her how to run her business, but then again, Serioku never looks pleased. Korichika spoke next and renewed his request that the Mantis clan be put under his control. He restated his tired old arguments that the Mantis could more efficiently be served from Earthquake Fish Bay by his contacts, instead of having to come all the way up the river to get their goods from Hayobu's people. Hayobu made some comment about suspecting him of having an interest other than a desire to streamline distribution, but this time he had a ready answer. He claimed that his only interest in the opium business was to support the greater glory and power of the Scorpion Clan. If controlling the Mantis through his crab penchman was the best thing for the clan, he should do it. If it was the best thing for him to give up power or profit to make the operation more efficient, he'd do that too. To prove it, he offered to let Hayobi distribute opium in Scorpion lands in exchange for the Mantis. Certainly this was a surprise. The Mantis are a big market for a small clan, and the Scorpion are a small market for a large clan. But the Scorpion territory still consumes easily twice the opium that the Mantis lands do. Korichika argued that Hayobu should distribute to the Scorpion because it was adjacent to her regular Lion Clan territories, while he should distribute to the Mantis because they're next to his crab regions. Again, he invoked efficiency and the good of the entire clan. Hayobu countered by saying that if that was his only interest, he should just give her the Scorpion territory, which is convenient to her distribution network, and let her keep the Mantis, where she has experience and an established group of sellers. He was ready. His reply was that if Hayobu had so much of the market, it would tax the fields she owns, while his would produce much more opium than he needed. An exchange of lands would be difficult, expensive, and look suspicious. And if opium wound up scarce in one area and plentiful in another, it raised the specter of alternative independent merchants smuggling it across cartel boundaries. I have to hand it to him. He argued well, without once admitting to his own self-interest. I wasn't fooled though, and you can bet Hayobu wasn't either. If Korichika wants the Mantis, it's because he thinks he can make more money off it than he can off the Scorpion. My guess would be that he'd like to use the Mantis to smuggle opium into Otosan Uchi, Hayobu's territory, and the national capital of opium use, and into Phoenix Lands, Serioku's territory, and an area opium could reach much easier by sea than by her current land route. 
Hayobu said she saw no reason to make such a drastic change when the system worked fine as it was, but that she'd consider his offer for next year. Korachika looked disgruntled, but what did he expect? I wouldn't be surprised if Hayobu was sneaking cheap opium into Crab and Phoenix territories on the sly, and the Mantis would be the perfect way to move it. They asked me if I had any input from an enforcement perspective. I told them that Korachika's plan to diversify his distribution channels was a wise one. While he's got the riverbank inspectors taken care of for now, that could change in a moment. It will be good for him to move an overland route into crab territory, well worth the risk and effort of establishing it now. I also said there was no reason to change a system that was working fine. As a magistrate, the things that catch my attention are when people do things out of the ordinary. The criminals I execute are often the ones who couldn't leave well enough alone. That seemed to have an effect. I received my usual payment from the three of them, and then reiterated my request that they just keep up appearances in Ryoko Owari. The better I look, the longer I stay in office, I told them, and reminded them how much harder things were under my idealistic predecessor. Korachika expressed the opinion that, while I was easier to get along with, Shigeko had been so easy to fool and misdirect that she had posed little threat, and she didn't have to be bribed. We had a good laugh at that. After the others had left, Hayobu took me aside and asked how vulnerable I thought Korachika's new overland distribution would be. I said I thought it would be fairly secure, barring any unforeseen problems. She nodded, narrowed her eyes, and asked me how unforeseen problems might come about. So, it appears Hayobu is nervous about Korachika cutting into her territory. I don't blame her a bit. I told her that I was unwilling to cross him for her, unless she was planning to destroy him completely. She said she understood, and that my impartiality actually made the three cartel situation more stable. I smiled at that. After all, isn't stability the ultimate goal of an Emerald Magistrate? Month of the Dragon, Sixth Day It's been a while since I came out here to see Magda. My wife has been ill, and it concerns me. We have no illusions about our relationship, but it's hard to live with someone for years without either hating them or becoming their friend. Yoshino and I haven't had any children, but we're still close. She's a good listener, a good helper, and she keeps the house as I like it. I've trusted her with every legitimate problem I faced as a magistrate, and her advice has always been sound. Lately, though, it seems as if the dirty side of my work, the side no one would understand, has come to dominate my moods. I can't tell Yoshino of such things. If I become disgraced, she must remain untouched as much as possible. I owe, I owe that to her at least. I can't tell Yoshino of such things. If I become disgraced, she must remain untouched as much as possible. I owe that to her at least. But still, the pressure. I can't tell her, but I must tell someone. And so I find myself in the embrace of Magda once more. The pressure has become intense. So many merchants are coming to me, and they aren't asking for help with their taxes. They're demanding it, as if I'm their vassal and it's their right to insist on compliance. I'm tempted to just drop the entire charade. I could stop taking bribes from them all and arrest them all for offering. What need I have for more money? I already have wealth beyond avarice and no time to spend it all. The bribes from the samurai running the cartels is difficult enough to hide without worrying about all this low-level graft as well. It's disgusting. 
The only reason I put up with it in the first place was to get the trust of the merchants so they'd lead me to the ninja. I followed their lead as far as it goes. What more do I need them for? I followed their lead as far as it goes. What more do I need them for? I could hand over all the money I've taken and declare that the entire thing was a grand deception, a secret operation to root out and capture tax evaders. I'd be shut of their squabbling and I'd look great to my master. But I could never do it. But I could never do it. What would happen to the city if, if its most prosperous merchants... <clears throat> what would happen to the city if its most prosperous merchants were suddenly jailed or killed? It would be chaos. Hayobu would never forgive me, not to mention the rest of the Scorpion Clan. That's without even considering the talk that would follow me. The accusations that I'd taken the bribes when it suited me, and betrayed them when they were no longer useful. For once the obvious speculations of the public would be true. Could I stand myself if I did something so blatant? No, I'll have to put up with them. Perhaps the time has come to take a more stern approach, however. I'll have to think it over after my upcoming journey to Otosan Uchi. Month of the Dragon, 29th day. This is the end. Fade struck again, in my absence, and this time he has gone too far. Taking gold was one thing, that's what bandits do. Assaulting nobles was a terrible crime. But such things happen locally, and need not concern an emerald magistrate. Even the abuses heaped upon the Shugenja of the Scorpion Clan. Even this blasphemy could be tolerated, if for no reason past the Scorpion desire to hide such a shaming loss. Now, however, he has crossed the line. Stealing weapons and armor intended for a city garrison goes beyond banditry. Fade has entered the realm of armed insurrection. It was a long and bloody battle, the sort of thing no mere bandit should have been able to engineer. The defenders sent carrier pigeons, but Fade must have hunted them. He harassed and assaulted the convoy for a full day before cornering them in an untenable position and capturing the shipment. There are leads. A dozen of Fade's men were killed. A dozen of Fade's men were killed. <laughs> there are leads. A dozen of Fade's men were killed. And they must have friends, family, or failing that, enemies who followed their movements. One of them will lead me to Fade. The most corpses he ever left behind was eight. And now we have over a dozen. One of them is sure to lead to a clue. But what if it doesn't? We had one of his men alive too and still were unable to find him. The ninja are embarrassing enough, but at least that's fairly quiet. This is making me look like an idiot in front of the entire country. People are losing faith in the Emerald Magistrate, which means they're losing faith in the Emperor. A letter to Doji Satsume is already on its way. I have humbly admitted to him that the situation is beyond my abilities, and that fate has escalated his predation in a dangerous direction. He is well on his way to being a major threat to Rokugan, and to Ryoko Owari in particular. I have requested an Emerald Legion to be sent to me, dedicated solely to the capture of Fade. Month of the Dragon, Last Day Damn the backward, self-interested, ignorant, and selfish governor of the cursed, corrupt, and shallow city! Hayobu found out about my request for an Emerald Legion and recommended against it to the Emerald Champion and to Bayushi Soju. Shoju spoke to the Emperor, and I'm to get nothing until additional need is shown. That bitch! 
Doesn't she understand that we want the same thing? A safe, stable city. Ryoko Owari may be a stinking pit of ignorance and neglect, but it's my city, and I'm honor-bound to protect it. I only wanted the Legion to stop Fade, but Hayobu is so paranoid that she was certain they'd uncovered the opium trade. I told her again and again that they'd be isolated. When we weren't in the field looking for Fade, I'd keep them billeted in the Towers of the Eyes. They'd never get a chance to find out about the cartels. She didn't believe me. Serioku and Korichika both opposed it too. Idiots. Said that even Shigeku had gotten close to them on occasion, and she'd been only one honest magistrate. They were terrified by a legion of them. Korichika even went so far as to imply that maybe I intended to betray the cartels, that the legion wasn't for fate at all, but to protect me from the Thunder Guard. He's fortunate that I didn't challenge him right there, the smug bastard. Have I done anything to harm the cartels, ever? I've bent over backwards for their filthy opium trade, just to keep my city stable. I even stuck my neck out when Michikane died, making sure his father didn't do anything rash and stupid. This is the thanks I get. Accusations and mistrust. I'm trying to protect their city from a dangerous lunatic, and all they can see is the need to protect themselves from me. Yoshino told me. I should have listened. Get in bed with scorpions and you'll be stung, she said. I was such a fool. Fine. They can all sink into Fu Lang's festering pit for all I care. If they don't want me to interfere with their cartels or their city, I'll sit back while Fade steals their weapons and kills them in their beds. My career as a criminal's toady is over. Let's see how they like running the city without the magistrate helping them. <laughs> Kikita Naratoki's journal was read by Gabe Quijano. Join us next week for another exciting episode of This American Dice, and be sure to stick around to find out exactly what happens with this journal.